Lukutai Sichais Chaylet Tesvav, Parshas Chayesora Sicha Gimel. In this week's Torah portion, in chapter 24, Perkhav Dalad, verse 67, Posuk Samach Zayin, we read that Yivieha Yitzchak Ha'ayhala Sara Imei. Yitzchak brought Rivka into his mother Sarah's tent. Rashi quotes the words Ha'ayhala Sara Imei and teaches Vivieha Ha'ayhala Vaharehi Sara Imei. He brought her to the tent, and behold, she was Sarah his mother. In other words, Rashi continues, Venasis Dugmas Sarah Imei. She became likened to Sarah his mother. And here Rashi lists three miracles that were performed in Sarah's lifetime and merit. Shekolzman Shesara Kayemes Hoyonir Doluk Me'erev Shabbos Le'erev Shabbos. So long as Sarah lived, her candle burned from Shabbos to Shabbos. Ubrahametsuya Be'isa And her dough was blessed. Va'onan Koshor Al Ha'ayhel And a cloud was connected to her tent, hovering above it. Rashi continues, Umishemesa Pasku, when Sarah passed, these stopped. Ukishabasa Rivka Chazru, and when Rivka entered, they returned. Commentary suggests that Rashi's explanation is the meaning of the word Ha'ayhala, which precedes the words Sarah Imai. They say this because if the verse intended as seems at first glance, for the word oihel, tent, to be integrally connected to the words Sarah Imai, Sarah his mother, the verse would have used a different tense to say, and Yitzchak brought her to the tent of Sarah his mother. Either the verse would read, oihala Sarah Imai, to the tent of Sarah his mother, or to the tent of Sarah, his mother. But the term with emphasis on the letter hey, hey as an identifying letter, implies that we already know whose tent this is. Therefore, Rashi explains that he brought her to the tent, and that is one idea, and of Sarah, his mother, is another. And thus, Rashi's explanation, and behold, she is Sarah, his mother. But this explanation leaves us puzzled as to why does Rashi, who is so punctilious in his words, then also include the word Imai, his mother, in the words that he quotes from the verse. If his explanation is founded on the combined words the word Imai, his mother, doesn't really belong in this quoted group of words. Secondly, why does Rashi explain the intention in the words as the miracles specifically? Why doesn't Rashi just suffice with saying that Rivka's deeds were like Sarah, his mother's? Furthermore, even if Rashi had some proof that explained that the intention here was to point out the miracles of the tent, it's still difficult to understand what compels Rashi's explanation of the pshat of the verse 
the literal intention of the verse as implying a miracle. And not one miracle, but all three details that Rashi enumerates. We might suggest that Rashi doesn't actually bring these details because of something that's implied in the literal verse. Rather, he quotes it as an explanation taught in Medrash Rabbah in connection to the literal intention of the verse. And that's why Rashi quotes the source, Gracious Rabbah, at the conclusion of his explanation. In fact, in copies of Rashi's handwritten manuscripts, it's obvious that Rashi actually quotes the source, and it's not an edited edition, as many other sources are. This implication, though, that Rashi's words are brought only as a lesson taught in Gracious Rabbah is difficult because the Medrash actually includes a fourth detail, that the ten stores were always wide open. And Rashi omits this, even though in this way too, Rivka was like Sarah. As well, Rashi brings the three details in a different and even, and even opposite order to the way they are taught in the Medrash. The Medrash teaches first about the cloud, then the blessing in the dough, and then the candle that burned from week to week. And there's more here that's difficult to understand. Rashi does not generally highlight the source for his explanations, which are based on the sages, because these in and of themselves are based on the literal intention of a verse. And when an explanation of our sages isn't completely in sync with the literal words in the verse, and Rashi quotes that explanation because the literal explanation isn't so smooth or easily comprehensible, Rashi will allude to this fact by introducing the explanation with the words, Rabbi Senu Dorshu, our sages, explain or teach, or with a similar type of introduction. This, though, also creates a challenge. If the three details Rashi enumerates are because of something in the verse that absolutely points to these three details, there is no need for Rashi to add that this is from Gracious Rabbah from the Medrash. And if that is not the case, and it's just that there is a teaching that our sages offer in connection to the words in the verse, then Rashi should have prefaced his explanation saying, Rabbi Seinu Darshu, this is what our sages teach in such and such circumstance. The explanation to this is as follows. Rashi intends to respond to the difficulty that exists in all three words, ha'oihala, sara, imai. Otherwise, he would not have quoted all three. The Torah, it seems, intends to tell us that when Rivka arrived with Eliezer, and Eliezer told Yitzchak immediately as they encountered one another outside the tent about the events that took place on his search for Rivka, Yitzchak took Rivka into the tent and was intimate with her and made her his wife. And in that case, all the Torah had to state was that Yitzhak took Rivka and she was his wife. Why the additional information that he took her into the tent of Sarah, his mother? According to this, now it's clear that the words Ha'oihala Sarah Imai, into the tent of Sarah, his mother, add to our understanding of this event that precede the words that Yitzhak took Rivka and she became his wife. The Torah is actually highlighting a reason 
that helped Yitzchak decide to marry Rivka, to make her his wife, because he was in fact unsure and undecided. In other words, despite the fact that Eliezer told Yitzchak about the miracles and the miraculous events that transpired during his mission for Avram to find a wife for Yitzchak, and he told him about the way the journey was miraculously shortened, and that Rivka came to him providentially as a result of his prayers. And for Eliezer, these were all proofs that she was right for Yitzchak, that her merits were right for Yitzchak. Yitzchak was not completely convinced that she fit into his family and that she matched the righteousness of his mother, Sarah, until he took her into his mother's tent. Once he did so, his decision to make Rivka his wife crystallized, which must mean, and we must conclude, that that happened by way of these miracles and wonders that he observed, greater in fact than they had previously ever been. The miracles convinced Yitzchak that Rivka was suitable for the family of Avram, and particularly in her likeness to Sarah. And so these miracles are alluded to in the words, Ha'ayhala Sarah Imai, the tent of Sarah, his mother. Yitzchak observed a particular miracle in connection to the tent, a specific miracle in connection to Sarah, and a specific miracle in connection to his mother. The word Ha'ayhala, to the tent, alludes to a miracle that was unique to this tent and different to all other tents, Hence, it was called the tent, well known for its uniqueness, and what made it so was the cloud that was associated with a tent hovering above it. We've learned a similar idea regarding the words in the verse in last week's Torah portion on the words, Vayar es hamokim merachoik, Avraham saw the place from afar. It was noticeably different from other places for its holiness, the holiness of the cloud that was connected to the mountain. It's thus understood here in our discussion that Ha'ayhala, emphasis on the known, points to the miracle of the cloud that made this tent known and recognizably different to others. Then we look to the word Sarah. The miracle associated specifically with Sarah too is something we glean from an earlier event in Torah. When the angels came to visit Avraham, appearing as guests, when he was healing on the third day after his circumcision, Avraham got busy preparing and serving them food. Despite his discomfort, he ran, the Torah tells us, to prepare meat for them. Such was his hachnasas archem, his performance of the mitzvah of welcoming guests. But he left one thing for Sarah, and that was the preparation of the dough for bread or cakes, for this was uniquely, uniquely her task, as her dough was blessed. And so, in our verse, when we explore the unique miracle in connection to Sarah, it's understood that the miracle is found in her dough, which had unique blessing. Now, regarding Imoy, his mother, it's understood and would be understood even for the five-year-old scholar that this is a reference to Mothers, a mother's candlelighting before Shabbos, which is specifically a woman's mitzvah. A mitzvah also relevant to girls before marriage, but which a child of five may not have observed as a sister's mitzvah, as he at that young age may not have a sister, 
or she may be too tiny to light candles as yet. Accordingly, we now understand why Rashi doesn't bring the fourth example that the Medrash Rabbah brings, showing us how Rivka was like Sarah, the example of the doors of the tent always wide open to guests, as the three words in the verse, Ha'oyhala Sarah Imei, only allude to these three things. If we're wondering about how we know that Sarah's candles burn from one week to the next, in fact, even if they burned continuously for an entire day, it would be miraculous, that answer is provided in the words, Beratius Rabbah, the source Rashi quotes for his explanation, as the Medrash teaches us this when there is a doubt about how long Sarah's candles burned. But these explanations don't tell us why Rashi changes the order of these miracles, not only presenting them in the reverse order of the Medrash, but also in the reverse order of the words in the verse that Rashi is explaining. Ha'ayhala, which is about the cloud, Sarah, the blessing in the dough, Imai, the flames that burned from week to week. We can't presume to suggest that the order that Rashi bases this on or uses is the order in which events occurred with Rivka, because even assuming that Rivka arrived literally just before Shabbos and immediately lit candles, the miracle of candles lasting a week would have become obvious only after the miracle of the cloud was revealed. Rashi should have brought these three in the order of the verse and the Midrash, the cloud, over the tent was the first miracle that occurred for Rivka as she entered the tent. Then the blessing in the dough would have become obvious with preparing dough for Shabbos. And finally, the flame that would burn from Erev Shabbos to Erev Shabbos, which would of course only become obvious with the following the second week after Rivka's arrival. But here is how we understand this. The words, Ha'ayhala Sarah Imai, and their significance, as explained in Rashi, brought Yitzchak to the decision to take Rivka as his wife, for in this way he saw how Rivka was like his mother, the essential likeness Rivka had to his mother's righteousness. And this is why Rashi brings the details in this specific order. First, Rashi specifies the miracle of the candle that burned from week to week a miracle that already existed in Rivka's life, in her fulfillment of the mitzvah of candlelighting. Then Rashi specifies the miracle of the dough that connected to Rivka, and yet this was not an actual mitzvah. And then Rashi specifies something that is outside the purview of her actions altogether and not a mitzvah, the cloud connected to the tent. In presenting the flame that burned miraculously from week to week first, Rashi teaches a wondrous idea. Rivka lit candles even before she married. And we know this because when the Pasuk tells us that Yitzchak took Rivka as a wife, it was after observing the miracle of the candle that burned from Shabbos to Shabbos. In fact, according to Rashi, Rivka was three at the time of her marriage an age where there is no actual obligation for the mitzvah of candlelighting, and yet she did fulfill this mitzvah. For Yitzchak, this was the primary sign that she was, as Rashi says, lis Sarah imai, likened to Sarah his mother, and for his decision to marry her.
Now Avram Avinu fulfilled all the mitzvahs of the Torah in their entirety, including the rabbinic mitzvahs. The law, according to our rabbis, is that if there is no woman to light candles before Shabbos, the obligation then rests upon a man. It stands to reason that Avraham did so after Sarah's passing, every week before Shabbos. So even before Rivka arrived, there were Shabbos candles lit for Shabbos. Rivka, who was three, however, lit her own candle. Of course, this is a clear lesson that we find here regarding something that has often been discussed, that girls who are of the age of mitzvah performance should be lighting Shabbos candles even before marriage. Even little girls who do not yet have the obligation of mitzvahs, but who can understand the meaning of lighting Shabbos candles, should be educated to light from the age of three and up, even though there is a mother in the home lighting her Shabbos candles. Rivka was actually an unusually intelligent three-year-old, as we witness in the events that transpired between her and Eliezer, who was observing every detail of her actions. In fact, her family did not make a decision for her regarding returning with Eliezer to marry Yitzchak. They told her to make the decision, and Rashi actually states that this fact teaches us that a woman cannot be married off without her specific concurrence. There is an additional amazing insight here. Like we said, Abraham certainly lit a candle every week before Shabbos, and though the Torah attests to Abraham's righteousness and wholeness in his physical and spiritual life, his lighting did not attain the miracle of burning from week to week like Sarah's did. And then, like Rivka's candles did, even at the young age of three. This speaks to the power, the might, and the strength concealed in the mitzvah of candlelighting, a mitzvah associated with Jewish girls, even little Jewish girls, just three years old, who are the daughters of Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, whose candlelight lit their house all week. On a spiritual level, the same happens for every Jewish girl as occurred on a revealed level for Sarah and Rivka, whose candles illuminated their physical homes all week. This is the only difference. But the power of the light that illuminated the houses of Sarah and Rivka serve as a strength for each Jewish daughter, empowering each one to illuminate and influence the entire week with the mitzvah of Shabbos candles. When our sages determine the value of Torah learning that keeps the world in existence, they point to the holy Torah study of children whose study is untainted. In actuality, this quality exists in every mitzvah a child performs. But that's not highlighted. Why indeed is it only in the candlelighting of a girl and woman that the light burns from week to week and not in Avraham's candlelighting or in Yitzchak's? A man's task is described in the Talmud, in the Tractate of Yevomis, as the gatherer of the wheat and the provider. The woman then takes that wheat and turns it into a substance of nurture for her family. God determined that man's nature and task in this world would be to conquer and to provide, the hunter-gatherer, if you will. The woman, on the other hand, takes a position within the home, turning what comes from the outside into that which can be used 
and used even in the divine service of God. When Avram lit candles, no miracle occurred. The home did not become physically lit beyond what a natural candle could offer. It wasn't Avraham's task to create this light. Specifically, the daughters of Sarah and Rivka, whose task is to transform the home, have the power and influence to constantly light up a home through their lit candles. And an entire week, one is cognizant that this is a house where the candles of Sarah and Rivka are lit and burn. According to this, we can understand the order of the three points Rashi makes. Commentaries say that the three aspects of the three of the four descriptions represent the three mitzvahs given to women. The mitzvahs of challah, the baking of challah or the keeping of kosher, nida, the mitzvah of family purity, and the mitzvah of the candle, hadlokasaner, the candle lighting before Shabbos. The mitzvah of candle lighting causing a f- causes a flame to burn from Erev Shabbos to Erev Shabbos, from week to week. Care in the mitzvah of challah brings blessing in one's dough, and precision in the mitzvah of family purity is rewarded with a cloud that hovers above one's tent, the purity bringing the presence of this divine Shekhinah. Rashi counts these three details according to the chronological order of the fulfillment of these mitzvahs in a person's life. In a little girl's youth, she begins the mitzvah of candlelighting. Her involvement in dough and the blessing in dough only begins as she grows a bit older and starts helping at home. And when she marries, she fulfills the mitzvah of nida, of family purity. All of this speaks to the enormity of the merit of encouraging a child to light Shabbos and Yom Tov candles. Through this mitzvah, we will all merit the Neres Shaltziyin, the lights of Zion rekindled, that Hashem will show us speedily for the true and complete redemption.